Hello, welcome to From the Rookery End. Watford have just beaten West Bromwich Albion 1-0 here at home at Vicarage Road. Uh, and here we go with our take on life as a Watford fan. My name is John. Uh, with me is Mike. Good day to you. I'm Jason. Take that, Skinner and Childs. Yes, the boys are off to the back, back to the back, black country, uh, still on 20 points, but we'll, we'll talk about the bottom of the league and how we're nowhere near it later in this podcast. Colin, uh, one of our co-hosts, very interesting point about how much we should worry as football fans, but that's in uh, part two of the podcast. But let's get back to the game there, Michael. Yeah. Uh, it was another 1-0. Uh, I said to someone on Twitter last week, Leicester won the league, winning 1-0. Um, I've got no complaint whatsoever. Do you? No, I don't think so. I mean, initially I did think my, my first feeling was that we were struggling to create. <coughs> um, I thought we weren't getting anything from Richarlison, Carrillo and uh, Pereira to a lesser degree. Certainly for the first half I thought we looked like we were probably had a big opportunity to do something in the game but didn't quite know how we were going we to do it. But no complaints, we've won the game 1-0, another clean sheet, uh, up to ninth in the table. We've done what we, absolutely, what we had to do uh, and at this stage of the season... What more can you ask for? I don't think you're going to get. You're not going to learn too much. I don't think at this stage. You just the games start ticking by, and if you can, and if you can win them, then fine. I think we've still got injury problems. Fabinho was ill today, um, but the big. <coughs> he caught, caught it off me. I think. <laughs> But great to see Will Hughes back. I thought when uh, it was uh, very much a game of two halves in terms of Watford's performance, I thought, God, I'm so cliched. I'm a bit, <laughs> bit tired, I think. The cliches are just rolling out of my mouth. Ridiculous. But I thought the first half, Watford were pretty... It was average. It was a, it was a poor, poor fair in the first half, wasn't it? It was everyone was talking about last week and comparing it. Was that, was that first half better than the first half last week against Everton? Uh, the fact we're having that conversation tells you all you need to know. But then I think the substitution happened. Uh, Akaka came on for Richarlison. Richarlison, incidentally, who looked incredibly upset, frustrated, angry, um, sad to, to come off. I think he's emotionally, physically, mentally completely shot. He's, uh, I like seeing players unhappy that they're coming off, but it's the way his demeanour is down. So well, we talk about maybe that, that role with Charleston and... and, and you know, I've got some points Jason made to me earlier, a bit later in the podcast. But Jason, let's talk a little bit about the opposition. Was there any point in that game where you thought, oh, this West Brom team have been getting a, a, a lot of uh, unfortunate results that have put them at the bottom of the league? Not really, no. They, they, they weren't all that. They, they probably, one outlet was sort of a, a big ball up to, to Rondon or to, to Phillips, sort of Rondon flicking it onto Phillips and, and not much else. So it's all sort of down that one side really that seemed to be their, their single point of attack and they had that one really good chance the, the Rondon header and, and I don't, did he even touch it it, 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 it was, it was woeful wasn't it absolutely yeah. woeful and whilst he was a, a bit of a handle there really wasn't much talent there um, I think they'd set up to try and be solid and, and that's why we probably didn't get much luck and it wasn't a very good game certainly in the first half because there was both teams were trying to keep it solid and not try or trying not to concede rather than sort of going gung-ho and trying to score I wasn't really worried about West Brom I was more worried that perhaps with some of our lapses of concentration at the back or some of our attempts to try and play our way out of the back when just putting the boot through it might have been a better option that might have put us in trouble rather than anything that West Brom were going to do It did feel like to me that if they were going to get a point or even get the win out of it we were going to gift it to them uh, with a few mistakes So let's talk to those individuals uh, on this, uh, this team Michael uh, and uh, you, you mentioned a few there Crillo was the one who sort of started who wouldn't have started uh, unless injuries another injury uh, to Delefeu had started Was he the, the, the man you would 
have, have rep- used to re- replace Delefeu? Yeah, I think it's, a, it's a, as like for like as, as we as we can do, and especially with um, Gracias coming out this week and said about uh, Firmino, he's going to be happy to play him further up the up the field, which I have not. So you, would you would you have wanted Firmino? Yeah. Halfway through the first half, I had, I'll be honest, I hadn't, hadn't checked the subs that rigorously and I thought, oh, God, have we got Firmini to come on? And then it's when I worked out he was, uh, he was, he was ill. I understand that side and I've got, I haven't got a problem with it at all. I think it's, uh, on paper, it's a, a decent, decent, decent enough side. But I think, I just think we struggled. I don't think we get enough output from Carrillo personally. I think there's talent there, as he showed just before he substituted. He had a nice touch and, and fizzed one over the bar. Carrillo, you're right, there, 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 was, there is some talent there. There are a couple of great cross-field balls where he switched play from one flank to the other what we didn't get from him today was that he's he's normally so good at sort of floating inside drifting inside and finding space and he just wasn't finding it today and I think he was coming really central he's like to try and get the ball and get involved in the game and it didn't really suit him and yeah, when we when we changed to four four two, he's not on not an out and out winger, so I wasn't surprised that he then got subbed. Yeah. The player that sort of we've we've talked about, you mentioned earlier, Mike is, is Richarlison. Now he is out of sorts, but he's a young player, and in some ways you don't want to say to him, "Well, we're going to rest you, we're going to take you out of the team." You know, would that be bad for him? But my guts at this point, we sort of need to. And this is a question I've got for you: Has he hindered Pereira's season because he looked a far lot better playing <coughs> out wide on the left than he did in the central position? Yeah, I agree. Um, Pereira had much more joy. Certainly after the initial um, sort of flurry of the substitution, Akaka came on and uh, he, he had a lot of, lot of space and a lot of time to ha- on the board and just to impact the game. So has he hindered uh, Pereira? No. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say. I would say that in terms of Richardson, I think for, for me it's definitely time for him to have a rest. I haven't got a problem with him starting from the subs bench and coming on for 25 minutes, half an hour. That sounds, that sounds brilliant to me, especially away at Arsenal, away at Liverpool, when you're hoping to, to hit on the counter put him on with fresh legs with 25 minutes to go uh, give him a give him a break because I, I just wonder I'm just thinking back about his sort of career over the last sort of 12 18 months has he had a has he had a break has he had because he's he's we signed him in the summer and he's gone he's been playing week in week out and you know he does look tired I just saw when he had the overhead kick that, that went wide I thought yeah, this is going to be a chance we'll get we'll get that smile back on his face and he missed it and he could see he was very his body language is demeanour. He was very down, very tough on himself, and I think that summed up where's it, where he's at at the moment. It was the most evil uh, uh, low five or slapping of the hand I've ever seen of a player going off. It was a big slam down, like he didn't, throwing his toy down at the well, moment. Well, what he did, he chucked his gloves down and he didn't shake hands with the carker. Oh, as it, it yeah, yeah, he didn't. He. Um, he was he was really upset, which, like I said, he's absolutely fine. I don't like players who want to be want to be on the pitch for ninety minutes, but I think he needs a rest. And I think he, you know, like I said before, he he had a pre-season with us. So leading up to that, he was playing in Brazil. So he hasn't had a break. He's in a country where he doesn't know the language, he doesn't know the country, he doesn't know the league. Um, his friends and family presumably aren't around. So it's been a real tough time for him. He doesn't owe us anything. I don't think he had a great start to the season. But I think it's time to recognise that that he needs a rest because mentally he's obviously quite exhausted. And, and to be perfectly frank, we're not getting anything from him in games, and it's it's easy for him to be marked out of games out there on the on the left. And he did switch to come inside a little bit in the in the first half, and almost paid off. But it's, it's easy for him to be marked out of the game when you can be pinned up against that flank, and if you can't get the ball out to him at pace, then he's going to struggle. And it's it's just all too difficult for for Richarlison at the moment. But Pereira, I think I just I think out on the wing, he just seems happier. He can run a bit, he can cut in, he loves doing that. Yeah, yeah. It just seems a bit. He's happier place. Yeah, I just think with Pereira, I think 
he, he's not the sort of player that's going to be tearing into tackles. You're not going to get. I mean, his, his tackling is hilarious, isn't it? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just absolutely non-existent. It's sort of like it sort of turns his back in a little jump, and a, it's just a notional sort of thing, isn't it? And you don't expect that from a play, player like that. But what you do want, you just want a little bit more. You need a little five, ten percent more from him. I think it's not effort. It's just I don't know. He's not good enough to to float around like he does. He's not. He's not Messi, who sort of everyone knows how he plays. He drifts in and out of games and kind of does what he wants, and then but 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 turns a game on its head. He's not that level, so he can't have that role. I don't think he needs to have a chat with Capoo. He yeah, needs yeah. to <laughs> needs to be needs to have uh, whatever Capoo's having for breakfast because we've uh, obviously seen a, a, an upturn in his. Uh, Really effort in the last uh, couple of games so yeah I was thrilled with Capu today just he was snapping into tackles he was working hard all the things that we've berated him for in the past for not doing and he was breaking up play and, and one another one that's off the ball a little bit is is Decoro and it's interesting Jace was talking about worrying about us giving the ball away at the start of the season the first half of the season when Decoro has the ball and he's breaking you think fine this isn't an issue this is this is the start of a counter-attack this is the start of something good now when he breaks, you kind of think, oh, is he going to overrun it? Is he going to, is he going to give it away? Um, <laughs> no, the song is truthful, Michael. Yeah, no, I love the fact that we sing that as literally as he, he does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite, it's quite, quite Watfordy, that's magnificent. <laughs> um, but it's great that Capoo's stepped up and he is sort of he's doing a bit of water carrying, which, which we've, we've criticised him for, and I, well, I certainly have. And it was, I mean, he still gave the ball away <laughs> Capoo <laughs> today. But yeah, I think in terms of sort of effort and commitment and willingness to, to get a foot in, I think he, uh, Kapu deserves deserves a lot of credit because he got a new contract this week, a new three year contract. Um, so that so sh- you know, that shows the club have uh, supporting him uh, that he has a, a role in this club. Maybe that's maybe what's different, I suppose, this year is that that role has changed. Where he was <laughs> one of the main first choices for the first two seasons in the Premier League, he isn't now. But they clearly believe that this attitude change and what he shows every day in, in training, which we don't see. That he has a, a role to play because Jason, would you you'd expect though with a, a fit cleverly and a fit Chalabar and uh, Will Hughes coming back that he would be fourth or fifth choice in that midfield? Absolutely, yeah, I, no doubt about it. Although he's gone up since Ben Watson left. At least. Yeah, yeah. As as uh, as these players come back, we've seen with Carnesis, he's kept his place. Maybe he'll be given a chance to to keep his place while he's while he's putting in good performances. It's good that no one gets an automatic spot in the team. So um, yeah, keep putting the effort in, keep his place. And someone else we've been not critical of, but we've sort of we've, been, we've questioned over the last couple of weeks has been Prada. And I think uh, Seb Prada was starting to look a little bit more like like his old self. But I think again, I think that's largely helped by another magnificent performance from Mariapa. He got man of the match today. I think it's his two hundred fiftieth appearance, which is um, which is an incredible effort, obviously. Um, but I just thought he just he's t- you know another great performance from him. And I think we've talked about it throughout the season, getting a defensive unit that you week in week out, and and you you reap the rewards. So uh, good to see good to see Perdle, um back. And of course, uh, a bit further forward. Uh, with even blonder hair than Prudel uh, was the return of Will Hughes. There's one point where he fell over, and I think he was just sort of like just kind of keep the ball and a bit of keep you know like uh, get him top of the ball. And I was like, just get up, Will. Don't fake it. Just get up, will you? For love of God, get up. Um, but he, every those several balls he put were purposeful. They were, you know, they were they were go balls, and he, he gave the ball that that scored the goal. I think the great thing about Will Hughes is it he makes it look so easy. He keeps it simple, but he's so effective. He takes all the all the frills away from it, but it, it just comes naturally to him. He's fleet of foot, he's nimble, he's alert, he knows what's happening, he's looking for the ball, he can beat a man at close quarters. He, he's really, really, really good. Um, and I just like the way he just, it, everything slows down a bit for him. 
he seems to sort of he's in control like of that. Baywatch. <laughs> uh, if that's how you want to see Will Hughes in red trunks and holding that, that, uh, that slow mo run phone. down yeah, the beach. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, oh crikey, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> I'm thinking, so is that Sebastian Proudle would be Pamela Anderson, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, he just he makes it look so simple, and he is such a welcome welcome return. Because I was, it's one of those things where you know the massive cheer when he comes on, and I was I was delighted to see him back. And you think. You know, his memory training playing tricks is we're talking the Premier League here. Will Hughes has only played what eight, nine, ten mm. games in the Premier League. Is he is he as good? Is he is it uh, that case of that syndrome when we haven't got him, so he's the saviour? Well, I think he came on today and he proved that, that that we were right to say we miss him. I think I thought he was great. To the point, Jason, where you think, yeah, I'm going to start him above Quillo next week, uh, and maybe make sure he starts to get show what he can do for ninety minutes. Uh, I wouldn't start him above Carrillo. I think what I do. We've talked about Richardson having a rest. Let's give Richardson a rest. Let's move Bobby P out to the left, play Hughes in the number 10 role, and uh, let's, let's leave Carrillo, give him a chance. Let him find that space again. When Hughes came on uh, at the right wing, I wasn't sure how he'd get on. First game back, not, not his natural position probably, but as Mike's already said, he did absolutely fantastic today. But I think he's better suited to a more central role, so I think I'd have him in the number 10 role. Move Bobby P across. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Very glad to hear it. Now, Arlo, since he's taken over at Watford, Harry Gracia has been playing one striker up front. If you were head coach, how many strikers would you play up front? Three. Who would you play? Della Feu. Andre Gray and Pereira. No place for Troy? Mm, Would that be four strikers? Yeah. Wow, do you reckon Watford would score lots of goals? Mm, yeah. Cool, alright mate, thank you very much for joining us. Bye! The, uh, the, the discussion uh, after last week's game uh, we did we talked about on the podcast was that two up front thing. Alana Burley wrote quite an interesting, interesting post on her, his uh, new blog, uh, a view from Row Z uh, that he's been posting a bit more on. As long as all the greatest Watford wins posts, uh, I think he's up to eighty five now or down to eighty five from one hundred. <laughs> about playing two up front. Of course, uh, the game was won last week with two up front, and we won the game again this week with two up front. Um, but the question was, do we start? Jason, were you agreeing with uh, Javi that we? don't start with two up front absolutely I, I think I said it in the podcast last week and <coughs> expected this game to be very similar to being not exactly high on quality with the opposition being quite solid up front so I thought it, it worked last week let's have, an, have another go this week and so it proved to be we definitely shouldn't be setting our stall out to be not beaten first and then let's try and win it and, yeah, he's and, cautious but he's not stupidly cautious Javi no, no, and when we've got opportunities to attack, we are, we are attacking, we're, we're protecting the ball, we're looking after the ball, we're keeping hold of it, and that frustrates some people because we're not getting it forward quickly. And what we're doing is, is we're waiting for space. And we've seen, we've seen a setup like this before in the Pozzo era where it's not quite worked because we've not had the movement up front. We've got better players now. Um, I've talked about sort of Carrillo, sort of, drifting in trying to find space and that he wasn't finding the space but he was dragging players with him 
Uh, and that was creating space for, for Yanmat. And also Yanmat almost scored. Good save by uh, our old mucker, Ben Foster, there in the first half. And I like that. We were talking about this before, John, weren't we? Where that style of play where you've got a load of space and the fullback bombing into that space looking for the ball and someone sort of playing the ball in for him to run onto. That gets the crowd going. That gets the crowd quite excited. And uh, so, get yeah, that, not just for that reason alone, but that just part of it. I think I, I like the way that we're setting up at the moment. We talked about players that have, have come in and proved themselves and they've got to stay. And Mr. Dini, with two in two from open play, he's back, isn't he? He's back, back properly, Mike, now, isn't he? Two really good finishes as well. Yeah. I thought to, he, had, he still had some work to do today with the lovely through ball from Will Hughes and uh, Ben Foster came out very, very quickly and narrowed the angle, made himself big, but he, but Troy, a really, really nice finish. You know, it might look, you'd expect him to score it, but there was still work to do and he did it. And of course, the, the, the goal was, was a lot better last week against Everton. Two really important goals. And look, you know, people have their views on, on Troy, but, you know, without him, would we have won those two games? I mean, obviously the answer is no. But would he have scored the goal today if he hadn't scored that goal last week? Yeah, he would. I think. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to um, be down on himself and, and 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 you know his confidence isn't going to suffer as a result of of a, of a miss last yeah. week. So, and I just think to go back, we've always said it. I think he's important around the place. He is a big character. That people have their views on whether that larger than life element is. Too much, too big, too much larger than life, and and but I, you know, I disagree. I think he's 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 important. He's some he's a player that Watford supporters can hang their hat on if they choose to. He's a you know he's as close to a local Watford hero as as we've got at the moment. I mean, we've spoken about we've spoken about Mariapa, who I think is uh, is similar, but nowhere near the sort of you know I don't want to overstate it, but legendary status that Troy's got here. He has got legendary status. All the the of the goals he scored for us. The, the journey we've been on while he's been here. So, yeah, two really, really good goals. I'm delighted for him. I think uh, he's always given his all. I mean, you know, this, this year people will always point to the suspensions, which I think he would be frustrated about. And internally, I'm sure he's been left in, in, in no doubt as to, as to how the club feel about that. Um, so he'll have been disappointed to miss, what, what eight games through, through suspension. But what better way as a striker to come back into the team, propel the team up the league, wrap into ninth, Two, two good goals, two clean sheets, two wins, and a skipper and, 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 the, and the number nine, you've got to be happy. And the supporters, when you're number nine scoring, you're churlish not to be happy with that. So I think uh, hat, hat tip to Troy, absolutely brilliant to see him. You know, that sort of barrel chest sticking out and giving it the big salute to the, to the crowd. You love it as a Watford fan, don't you? You want to see your strikers firing and, uh, yeah, sort of welcome back Troy, isn't it? The, the second of the uh, choice, who you know, again we're probably going to agree with next week that they, that will be a, a substitution to put to up front. And you've got to say after his two performances, Akaka is the man who who will make that. So the question to you, Jason: At what point or what situation would Andre Gray be the man you would put on as the second striker? At the moment, I I don't, I don't think I would do it tactically because I, I just think. Uh, Akaka and Dini seem to be working so well together and it doesn't make sense does it a big man and a big man people don't play two big men up front together but it, it, it it's working it's working uh, I'm a broken record when it comes to Andre Gray and I was sort of talking about well his strength is when he's got space behind him so sort of getting behind the uh, the defence and and looking to run onto uh, onto the through balls but Dini did that for us today <laughs> so, so do we even need Andre Gray anymore sorry Andre <laughs> uh, so perhaps when we're when we're up against uh, Liverpool and Arsenal perhaps it'll be a bit different if we're if we're still in the game I mean if if things don't go so well and we find ourselves one or two goals down then they're not going to be 
pressing us as much and, and I think it'll still be a case of having to bring a Carker on. Um, obviously not for Richard since he won't be on the pitch. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, don't, I, I just don't think that Andre Gray has the same impact as, as a Carker when he comes on. The whole dynamic of that game changed for the second week in a row. So credit credit where it's due to, to a Carker. And I think what it does when you bring on another big man to play with a big man, two big strikers, you're saying to the opposition strap yourselves in we're coming for you and I think that's a statement that is pretty you know, Steph's a big a big lad and he's he, he puts himself about and he makes sure he's part of the game and straight away as a, as a defensive unit as a midfield you can think right crikey we've got to be on our game we've got to we've got to be prepared and you kind of take a step back and I don't think you get that impact from, from bringing Andre Gray on so I think it was a, it was really really good to see to see Stefano Akaka have the same effect again you know I've been as overt with my praise for Akaka as, as some but What's what I'm what's pleasing is he's done it now two weeks in a row, so you know fair play tip of the hat again for me he's he's had a, a big impact on the game, uh, and I'm really pleased about that. He was unlucky not to score as well with that one off the line. I thought he, he sort of turned well, um, yeah. struck them all well. Just yeah, just managed to find the defender on the line unfortunately. Worrying is a thing that we do quite a lot as football fans, um, and when should we worry is always the question. Colin, uh, Colin Mace, uh, one of our co-hosts that we have here on From the Rookery End, uh, sent a message to our WhatsApp group um, about an epiphany he had. Uh, Mike and I spoke with him uh, before this 1-0 win at home to West Brom. Colin. Um, I've always thought, uh, I don't know if it's because you're an actor and you, you think deeper about things to get into the depths of characters, um, but you, you, you send a message to our WhatsApp group, you go, yeah, never, and that made me anyway go, I never thought of that. And you had a really good message you sent this week um, about the mentality of Premier League teams, or at least the majority of them. Yeah, so I had a bit of an epiphany, because I came to the game last week, which was Watford versus Everton, and I was more nervous before that game than I've been for years. And I got into the stand, and the people I sit next to are going, well, are you alright? I go, no, no, I'm really nervous. We've got to win this game. We've got to get these three points. And uh, it was a pretty awful game, but we got the three points. And the reason I felt like that was because the build-up to the game, and, and really over the past few months, all the media can really talk about is, oh, it's a massive game. It's a massive game for Swansea. This is a massive game for Crystal Palace. This is a, if they don't win this, and, and it was the same for us. Like before that game, they were even saying to, oh, and Everton need the points. They're not out of it yet. They need those points. Everton had 34 points. It's February. They're not going to get relegated, uh, but they played like they might. And, and this is the hypocrisy that, I, that really annoys me: is that the whole build-up to that game was about. You know, this is a six-pointer. Watford desperately need the points. Uh, if not, they're going to get there in a relegation fight. And people like Lawrenson saying, oh, the Watford team I really worry about. I think they're the ones that could slide down. And, and what happens is that fans get terribly nervous. And I don't think it's only the fans. I think the players get nervous. I think coaches get nervous. I think owners get nervous. And it affects the way that we play football. So the game was awful. Although, I have to say, I thought Grazia... He did pretty well. He managed to get Sigurdsson and Rooney substituted and he managed to make it look like Walcott actually wasn't at Everton. He was somewhere else because he didn't notice him. So he nullified their threat. He made attacking changes in the second half and we got the goal and then we were able to hold on to it, which was, you know, it's, it's, it's fine for a club like Watford. But the way Everton played, they came here with 34 points. They're in eighth. They didn't try to attack us. They played like, well, nil all will be fine with us. But we'll take a point. 
It's like, and I think that this is partly driven by this media narrative of everyone under the top six are basically in a relegation battle right from the beginning of the season. And the truth is, when you, they watch a game like that, after the game they go, oh, that's not Premiership standard. That's awful, that, isn't it? What awful football. It's like, well, can't you see the two sides of this? You've terrified everybody, and now teams are playing like this. And there was no reason why that game shouldn't have been free-flowing, attacking football, because we're both in the top half of the, of the table. And this is the point. Watford, I don't think, having said before that we're in a relegation fight, and said it over and over again with fear in my eyes, I don't think this football club has been in a relegation battle at any point this season. The lowest we've been in the league was 13th, which was before the the Everton game last week and that was because everybody else had played we won that game we we're back in 10th so we basically if you looked at our average position throughout the season would be 10th or 11th that means we're not in a relegation fight we don't have to worry about relegation you worry about it when you're down there when you're in the bottom three if you're Swansea or Southampton or Palace or you know Stoke or Westbrook okay you, 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 you can be worried every time you go to a game but we don't have to be and I don't understand why the narrative, it's only about relegation and never really about the football. There's been so many negative stories about us this season. And yet here we are, Watford Football Club, sitting in 10th. We win this game, we'll be on 36 points. We'll be in 8th or 9th or whatever it is, you know. No, no one talks about that. All they say is, ooh, ooh, this is a massive game for Watford. This is a, they said on the radio this morning, this is a six-pointer. It's not a six-pointer for us. It's a massive game for West Brom. Obviously it is, because if they don't win it, they're doomed. But it's not a massive game for us. There but we Mike, we've we've sort of we, we we've actually been in that place that, that Colin's talked about about talking about the doom and gloom and been a bit obsessed with we need to get the forty points and, and unless we're at forty points, then we are possibly going to be going down a part of relegation battle. Have we succumbed to the media? I don't think well look I'm going to hold my hands up. I'm amongst the most negative out there when the, when the mood takes me. It doesn't take much of, doesn't take much of a nudge, nudge in any direction to, to set me off. And I think I, it was after the Brighton game, which was Christmas, before Christmas or just after. And I was like, you know, we're in a relegation battle. Um, now, what I really appreciate and what I quite like, and I already feel a lot more zen from just listening to Colin over this week and just <laughs> calm and sort of transcendent above all the, above all the, the nonsense that, that surrounds football. And I think I make Colin right, actually. Uh, the lot, the, a lot of the clamour from, from the media is they have to make the games matter. Otherwise, what's the point, I think? And that's why it's either relegation, Europe, uh, or a manager's job up, up, up for grabs. And I think we're too quick to, to buy into that, perhaps. And I think that the, Colin's point about the quality of football suffering as a result is, is an important one. And I think everyone can take, perhaps, responsibility for sort of being a bit more calm and, and having a sort of helicopter view, if you like, of what actually is going on at your football club, what actually is going on in, in the table and what the, what the prospects are for your team and the Premier League and, and those around it. So I do think there's a, there's a, there's a, re, there's a really good point there. We, need to, we know what they've got to do. They've got to hype it up. It needs to, be, it needs to matter. But also, I have to say, and Colin talked about the Everton game last week, turning up feeling nervous. I did as well, but I quite like that. Because going uh, talking about the media want needing games to matter, so do we as well. Really, um, we look back over you know the, the majority of our Watford supporting career as as forty year olds or late thirties, whatever whatever we are, has been you know we've been bobbling around, and there hasn't been much on most of the games, and we've been sort of in and around the middle of the championship for for long, long swathes. And actually, though, when you turn up at the game, you think actually there's that little frisk on that little crackle in the air. We we want to win that, and I think I've quite enjoyed. Us being on the cusp of that relegation battle because it, or not, as Colin, uh, Colin reckons. <laughs> we were on the cusp, we've definitely been on the cusp of it. I just don't think we've ever actually been right in it. No, I agree with that. But I do think there's a need amongst football supporters, and not just Watford supporters, not just me, to make 
make it camp. Everyone talks about the chat in the pub and how in, and how integral that is to the game. And part of that is is talking about what might happen, what could have been, uh, what you know. So ifs and buts and all that sort of stuff are parcel of the, part and parcel of the game. But I think as an overarching point. Be a bit more relaxed about football, you might enjoy it a bit more. I think it's a good one, Carl. I'm, I'm, I mean, it won't work for me, obviously, <laughs> but it's a really nice try. When do we panic, though? Is there a point in the season, a point in a game? Or when, when do we actually well, truly get to that panic of winning a relegation okay, battle? I can, I can answer that question because we've taken seven points from the five games or four games that uh, our new manager, Javi Grazia, has, has managed in the Premier League. We, we got a good draw at Stoke, we beat Chelsea, lost to West Ham, and we beat Everton. Had we not got those seven points we're currently on 33 points if we were still on 26 or 27 points 27 points would put us equal 17th or equal 18th then we're in it then this game really does start to matter we've got to win this to get to 30 points so of course you know you're always slightly looking over your shoulder when you're a mid-table club but I think we we need to be more positive at times and I think we need to look up and think Burnley haven't won a game in 12 and they're still in seventh. I mean, how does that happen? But, but so they're, they're catchable. And uh, I'm not saying that the European dream is still alive, but I, I don't think... Uh, well, maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> I tend to feel quite positive about it. Get a win today, it's on. Um, except we've got to go to Arsenal and Liverpool. But, so I think you're not, you shouldn't really get into that terrible grinding anxiety and nervousness coming to games until you're really down the bottom. If I was a Palace fan, I'd be really worried. They basically got a 31-game season. They lost the first seven games. So they gave everyone a seven-game start. And yes, Roy's done, done, done wonders, but they're still in it. They're still on 27 points in 17th or whatever they are. The same with Swansea. Uh, Carvajal comes in. Oh, look at him. He's good, isn't he? Oh, they've had a bounce. They've won. They beat Liverpool. They, did it. they lost the game last, last uh, weekend. They're, they're 18th. They're in the bottom three. So obviously, if you're fans of those clubs, you think, it's just five-way scrap. And, and two will survive, and through you know, the, I think West Brom are doomed. So it's a four-way scrap. Two will survive, and two will go down. And I think down there, then you know, and I agree with, with Mike. It can be exciting to be in a relegation battle. I mean, it's awful in some way. Sort of your stomach churns and stuff. Uh, and you don't want to just be in mid-table with nothing to really. It's like oh, this is another game. Yeah, quite play quite well. We've got a draw. You know, you don't want to. You don't want your season to be defined by that. But I do think it's, um, there's there's far too much talk about about relegation. And it's, you know, even in November. They're talking about it, six pointers. Or in, you know, in, in October, this is a six pointer. It's not a six pointer in October. It can't be. It's just you're collecting. You know, teams like Brighton and Huddersfield, Newcastle. They're just going about their business, trying to collect points by by beating teams or drawing with teams. And there shouldn't be so much emphasis on. Oh, oh, look! Oh, Newcastle lost. Oh, they're back in it. They're back in it. It's a relegation battle. <laughs> and I agree with Mike. It is, of course, they've got to hype up the games. They've got to matter. Otherwise, they're not going to talk about the games. But I do, I do worry. So it's like the VAR thing again. Now everyone's talking about VAR. What they're not talking about is what an astonishing performance that we saw on the Thursday night. They're still talking about Wednesday night. Some meaningless replay in the cup, where you know <laughs> where Tottenham won six one. They're not talking about <coughs> the incredible football that was played on the Thursday night. And when they do talk about that game, all they talk about is Arsene Wenger. Is he going to go? Is he going? is he staying is he going oh dear Arsenal falling to pieces they didn't talk about Silva's touch or the extraordinary performance by Sane and I think too much of the coverage of football at the moment is uh, as Mike said either relegation can't we just talk about the football can't we talk about some of the brilliant football we've watched this season seems not Mike are you going to go to the after you know Colin's wise words is this going to change you Uh, (laughs) look I've got to be honest 
It's more for West Bromwich Albion today. I don't I know what these, these. I know what happens in these sort of games. No, it's not going to change me at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, I, I, I will try. I'm going to try. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a week of trying to be a positive football fan <laughs> and look, look for the silver lining in everything, and uh, I'll report back. <laughs> A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the rookery end. Arsenal away, Liverpool away. You've got to be feeling possibilities against Arsenal, depending how they do against Brighton. Um, Liverpool are on fire and they're doing really, really well. We aren't going to use the phrase we do, Michael, which is, it's a free hit. Um, But what does this club, this team, therefore need to get from this? What do they must get? They want to get, of course, three points or six points. What do they need to get from, firstly, the Arsenal game, especially after winning here back in October? We need to continue the reintegration of players like Will Hughes and Firmino into the side, I think. Uh, we need to not get a hiding off both of them. I think we've just spoken about Colin and our, our WhatsApp group conversations in the week. And Colin said after the Man City game, he loved watching Man City demolish Arsenal, but also Arsenal are on the floor. So he said Brighton should be licking their lips, going looking at looking at an opportunity to, to, to perform well against Arsenal. So should we? We've shown we've shown we can do it. I think we should go there, and, and you know we're not going to go gung ho. We know that, as Jason said, how, how how he sets up. He's not going to change the way we set up just because Arsenal have had a, a, a rough run of form. But these guys, you know, we've spoken about Troy in the dressing room. They'll be saying, you know, there's a soft underbelly here. There's there's, there's something to go at. So set up properly, defend properly. Um, and we might be able to get something at Arsenal. If we lose, we lose. Um, obviously, <laughs> can't we? Really, can't really. Hey, we've lost. Change. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not concerned. And the reason I'm not concerned is you look back. We've beaten West Brom. We've beaten Everton. We've 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 performed in the games we've had to. Even you know picking up that point against Stoke, which sort of kick-started all this. If we'd have if we'd have perhaps got transfers. So we've done the hard work over the last month since Harry turned up. We've done well. We've done what we've had to. What we've had to. Congratulations to Harry for getting uh, his nomination for Manager of the Month, which I think is well deserved. And I think recognises the the amount of work he had to do to turn this turn this tanker around. Because we were on our asses. We were really despondent. The, the the confidence was on the floor, and now we've turned. We've 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 put in some tough matches, tough tough performances, and climbed up the table. So now we've earned the right to go and have a, a sort of not relax, obviously, but sort of go and just have a have a go at Arsenal, Liverpool. I was stunned, was it last year, I went up there and they were in the, in the middle of their, their good form and they, they absolutely battered a 6-1. That can happen against good teams. And like you say, Liverpool are absolutely flying you, and you, 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 I think we probably will struggle. I think we've, we've shown today we almost did throw it away. There's some, some careless, a little careless back pass from, from Mariapa, a couple of mishit passes from, from Kapu across the back and we're still very, very capable of making it difficult for ourselves <laughs> at the back. And with people like Salah and Familia, those guys, they're not going to ask, need asking twice. It's absolutely in their DNA just to, to pounce on opportunities like that. So, look, we're going into it with no expectation, but what I'd like to see is the team continue to develop. Let's get people back into the squad. Let's get some game time in them. Perhaps let's use it as a chance to, like you said earlier, bring Richardson off the bench. Let's just try and build on it. Let's just, uh, I think we can start to look forward to the rest of the season and, and enjoy it. I'm pretty certain that we're, we're, we're there now, aren't we? I think 36 points, it'd be an incredible turn of events to see us in anything, anything like trouble for the, for the rest of the season. So really, really impressed that they've done 
what they had to do to get out of the, the hole that we looked like we were we were disappearing into when we could go and enjoy these games again Arsenal, Liverpool big ask really really big ask but let's just go for it let's see what we can do we do need to win one more win because uh, second and bottom 27 points 18 points available can get 45 they're not going to get every single win are they so I think I, I, I'll be dead happy after 39 Jason who's going to be the main star next week away at Arsenal Richardson's going to come on and score the winner <laughs> you heard it here first come on Charlie boy thank you very much for listening to the Rooker End uh, we'll be back again next week another podcast do follow us tell your friends and subscribe on uh, whatever app you can do uh, if you follow the links uh, to our website for the Rooker End there's uh, all the different apps so you can subscribe and get us first and for free as it's always been on From the Rooker End thank you very much Jason Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Oh, look, no problem. Uh, and actually, thank you to Kieran, who proved that VAR can be done much quicker. Uh, after the Dini goal, we weren't quite sure if he was onside. A quick WhatsApp message to Kieran, who was watching in New York, was able to get the message and reply back within a minute. <laughs> so I'm all for this VAR, but all you need to have is WhatsApp and a bloke in New York. Um, Kieran is out there following uh, the uh, England ladies team. Uh, so do check out, he's doing lots of stuff. At Kieran's Haven on Twitter, uh, follow the stuff he's doing out there. Come on, you horns!